We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, Notre Dame fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am Vince D'Addario. That is Brian Driscoll. And we got something special today, which neither one of us were anticipating uh, this time yesterday, I would say. Uh, we had, once again, and, and, and many of you have noticed this already, we were planning to do the Toledo-Purdue preview and it once again gets pushed to another day because we've got something better for you today. And it seems like every time we play in the, the Toledo Purdue uh, preview, we find like something amazing happens mm-hmm. and we need to push it. So maybe we just right. need to keep planning that and we'll just keep yes. getting great interviews. I think yes. That's- yeah. Well, and then of course today we're going to be joined by, well, we're not going to be joined by uh, Notre Dame defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman. I just wrapped up an interview with coach Freeman here a little bit ago, and we're going to play that. It's over 30 yes. minutes long. We're going to pr- play that interview for you, which, um, huge thanks to Katie Lonergan, who's the the SID for the Notre Dame football program, for setting up the interviews with Coach Reese and Coach Freeman. I knew this interview was going to happen, but with everything going on, the the, the when was the question. Right. And so uh, she's been working hard. You know, they had the they had the the grill and chill, which was the barbecue. They're getting ready for for fall camp, which starts next week. So it's been a very busy time. Uh, and and so so appreciate her working hard to get those interviews set up. And then of course, thanks to Coach Reese and Coach Freeman for spending the time to sit down with us in turning what was supposed to be, you know, 15, 20 minute interviews to 30 plus minute interviews. So, yeah. uh, you know, you guys all know me, we get a chance to talk ball and look, we took a little different approach than we've seen, you know, coaches talk a lot about what got them to Notre Dame and that whole process. And I wanted to focus more on the job here, you know, the, the, on the ball, baby, the expectation. Yeah. So we talked philosophy, we talked personnel, we talked specific players. It was a a great interview and and as expected he was uh just you know him and coach reese both are just really intelligent guys uh gave really good answers you know coach reese didn't give us any fluff and coach freeman didn't give us any fluff right. and, I, and i think you all are going to enjoy this one uh very very much very very much yeah. and we also have some exciting news too uh which i'm very excited about if you uh if you look down at the um uh if you if you look down in the the description bar of the youtube thing you'll see a link there for Built Bar, which is a, a protein bar that I think is absolutely amazing. 
And uh, my mom made me try this recently. And I'm like, look, I don't do protein bars. They taste <laughs> terrible. Uh, and, and I like sweet things. And um, it was amazing. And I've now bought several of them, like boxes of them, you know, and uh, it's really healthy. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great product. But what we did was, is I reached out to Built Bar and said, hey, I want to do something with you guys because I love your product. And so we have a thing now where if anytime you buy Built Bar, if you use the promo code Irish Breakdown, one word, uh, if you use the promo code Irish Breakdown and to buy from them, you get 10% off your entire purchase. So wanted to do that for you guys because it is a product that I love. I will never eat another candy bar. They are that sweet. They are that good. And it's 130 calories for the whole thing. <clears throat> 20 over 20% of your your the the fiber that you need on your dietary fiber you need. So amazing, amazing products. I'm very excited about that. So this is a great day for me all around. <laughs> a product that I've been hoping we could work with because I love the product, but then also we get a chance to interview Marcus Freeman. So uh, this is this is going to be really good. But look, nobody right now, people, you know, it's the built bar things exciting, but people want to hear from Coach Freeman. Yes. So, Vince, let's go ahead and get that rocking and rolling. And uh, we'll talk about it afterwards. We'll talk about some of the things he mentioned. And then we'll, of course, we'll open it up to questions and, and people are allowed to uh, people are allowed to, you know, ask about it if they want to or talk about what other things. So uh, let's get rolling. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to a special edition of the Irish Breakdown podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com, and we have a special guest today. We're going to be sitting down talking ball with Notre Dame defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman. Coach Freeman, thank you so much for joining the show today. Thanks for having me, Brian, man. I look forward to, to, to getting on here talking a little ball. Yes, that's what I want to do, Coach. You know, a lot of the questions this summer that you've been getting, and they've been, they've the the interviews have gone over incredibly well. The one you did with Coach, Coach Chris Zorich went incredibly well. A lot of stuff about how you got to Notre Dame and that process. But Coach, you know me, I want to talk ball. So, so I, those are great stories, but let, I want to talk some ball. So let's start off with this, Coach. You and I are at a coach's clinic, and I introduce you in front of the coach's clinic, and the first thing you're asked to do is. Just in a general sense, what is your defensive philosophy? So independent of three three four versus or three three five versus four two five versus whatever else, just your overall defensive philosophy, what would you say that it is? Well, I think we 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 break it down to this. We are front multiplicity coverage consistency. And so that's kind of philosophy in, in everything we do here. Okay, is we want to be multiple up front. We want to be a three down team. We want to be a four down team. We want to you know, STEM, we want to be a four I team, all these different terminologies, but we're going to move and do different things up front. And then we want to be consistent in the coverages that we play. We don't want to have a thousand different coverages. You know, we're going to have multiple coverages, but we're not going to try to confuse you with playing 10 coverages. We're going to be consistent in the five, six coverages that we play so that our guys can play fast and they can understand exactly what we're doing and exactly how teams try to attack us. And that's going to help us play faster. Now you brought up, I was going to talk about this later, but you kind of went into it now. So let's, if you don't mind me kind of transitioning into that, you talked coverages, you know, breaking down film at Cincinnati. There was obviously some multiplicity there. You weren't like lined up in cover one every single snap, but you were aggressive with your coverages. Is that something that's a part of your philosophy? Was that, was that, basically more on that's just the person they had at Cincinnati. And if it is kind of what you want to be, do you feel like you, you have inherited a roster at Notre Dame that allows you to kind of just keep right at that? Or do you have to adjust some things to fit what you have? Yeah, I think there's going to be some similarities, you know, that the things we did at Cincinnati that we'll do here, but there's also going to be some differences because of our personnel and because of what our guys do well. Um, 
We want to be an aggressive group, though. That's not going to change. That's our mentality. We want to dictate. Okay, and, and what we do is we, we say we got this thing called challenge everything. And a part of that mantra of challenge everything is, is the way we play defense. And I hope our guys feel like, hey, Coach Freeman's an aggressive coach. We're going to be an aggressive unit. Um, yes, does that mean play man? Yeah, but it doesn't mean we're going to play man every snap. We're going to play some zone. We're going to do different things. But I still want to be able to challenge you. I'm not going to drop eight guys into coverage and say, hey, let them throw it in front of us and let's just break down and tackle it. No, we want to challenge routes. We want to challenge our opponents and we want to make them earn everything they get. When when we interview, got a chance to interview the players in the spring, you know, there was a lot of talk about things being simplified and that can often get misconstrued as you guys like have two calls and you just kind of run to the ball. What I, what I, what I kind of want to hear from you coach is, you know, how do you balance as a coach being complex enough to be able to have all the answers that you would need in a game versus making things simplified enough to allow your players to execute at a high level. Cause you and I both know that ultimately at the end of the day is the most important thing. That's you right. can have all the, the chalkboard and, or whiteboard answers you have, but if the players can't execute it, so how do you balance, you know, those two needs when you go into the playing the kind of schedule that you, that you're going to be playing this year? <laughs> it's been a long time. So I use a chalkboard. Well, we, we talked about where I started coaching. You're very familiar. We had chalkboards, right? So. No doubt. No doubt, man. But you know, I think if you look back at our last three years at Cincinnati, okay. And, and you saw the success we had statistically and as a defense. And I think if you went back and you asked those players, Hey, what is it about coach Freeman's defense that you enjoyed? And I think they would say it's, 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 simplified or whatever it, it you can play fast and and that's what i believe in and i believe in this and that you know what this is a personnel driven game and anybody that tells you otherwise i think you know i would i want to see exactly what they're doing to have some success because i bet you their players are extremely talented and they play extremely hard and that's what i believe in man i believe in we have to continue to develop the talent we have and we have to continue to try to bring in the best players that we can find that fit Notre Dame because ultimately those are the guys that have to go out there and be better than their opponent and yes we want to have a good scheme um, that that takes away what the offense is doing well yes we want to have a scheme that isn't just you go and you know exactly what we're doing but at the end of the day we're not going to win because we out-schemed our opponent. That's not what I want to do. That's not what I believe. And I believe we have a sound scheme. I believe that we're multiple in the things we do. But at the end of the day, we're going to win because our guys are coached better, developed better, and they execute exactly what their assignment is better than their opponent. And so that's, to me, the keys to our success. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you've talked about your defense, kind of big picture, and when people ask, especially ask about the defensive line, you've made the comment that we're a defensive line driven defense. And I've heard you say that multiple times now. Can you explain, Coach, kind of what that means and what does that look like? You know, practically speaking, what does that look like? Yeah, I was just talking about this with the D staff and that in all the years of either being a coordinator or coaching football, the the most successful defense I've been a part of, it, it was because we had a really good D-line. And that's what I want our guys to understand is that our D-line can erase a lot of mistakes from guys behind them. There can be a wide open receiver. There can be a, a hole that all of a sudden this D lineman makes a play and it's like, oh man, look at this great defensive call. No, it's just a D lineman whooping somebody's tail. And, and as long as we are deep at D line here, and, and I believe that that's probably the strongest unit we have on our defense right now, you know, and it's for sure the most experienced unit. And with a strong D line, I believe the guys behind them have opportunities to catch up to that talent level or catch up to that experience level. And, and we will always be a D-line driven program and a D-line driven defense. And, and that's going to be what we hang our hat on. So when you're putting together your, you know, what your responsibilities are for the second level and your coverage you know, aspects, I know that the specific talent of those positions goes into that, but does the, the talent or the I say talent probably is not the right word, but the ability of your front to be disruptive, does that then impact or how much does that impact sort of then what you do at levels two and three of your defense. Yeah, I mean, the the simplest thing is to, the simplest example is to show you that if you have D linemen that can defeat one-on-one blocks, then you don't really have to pressure to get pressure on a quarterback. You don't have to blitz to get pressure on a quarterback, right? If all of a sudden, hey, your four D linemen, okay, are getting blocked by four O linemen and they got an extra guy, well, in order to get pressure on a quarterback, you're going to have to bring a fifth or sixth rusher. Okay, and so that's a huge aspect of it. If we can get four man pass rush, okay, when that quarterback gets drops back and he's looking down the field and he's uncomfortable, then that puts an extra guy in the coverage. Okay, but all of a sudden, if you can't get four man pass rush, you need to blitz five. Well, then guess what? You're you're going to be getting hopefully more pressure, but also you're going to have some vulnerabilities in the back end. There's going to be more holes. And so it's basic math in that that hey, if we can get pressure and we can create havoc with four guys up front then there's a lot of different things we can do in coverage with seven guys. Does that then make your blitz packages more impactful when you're, because this is an expression I've, I've used in the past is when you can blitz because you want to, not because you have to, does it then make your, I mean, does it then say, okay, well, when we do blitz now, it's more impactful because we're able to eat up more, more gaps and more blockers. Is, does that kind of factor into it or not? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now that you don't feel like you have to blitz to get pressure on the quarterback. Now, when you decide to bring pressure, I think offenses can, can continue to be off track. Well, if they know, Hey, he only, only way he's going to get pressure on the quarterback is if he blitzes guys. Well, they know, Hey, when it's a passing down, he's probably going to blitz because he needs to get pressure on the quarterback. But all of a sudden you don't know when now, now we can keep you off track, keep you off balance. We can blitz first, second, third down. It doesn't matter. We cannot blitz and still get pressure and be effective. And so that goes back to the whole philosophy that we have to have a strong line to have success on defense. You look at the linebackers, obviously. Well, actually, let's kind of – this will probably set up the linebacker talk a little bit better. But, you know, since you've been hired, there's the the conversation of 4-2-5 versus 3-3-5 versus 3-4 personnel, all those different things of people we like to spend a lot of time on. 
when you look at those different things and, and you talked about multiplicity, so the answer to that is, are, are we going to, are you going to be four, two, five, three, three, five, three, four, per, let me guess your answer is yes. <laughs> right. Yes. to Every single one. <laughs> but, but what are the things that go into determining what your emphasis is going to be? Is it more of, is it a combination of, or one of these things, which is personnel driven, obviously your personnel, uh, is it going to be basically, okay, we may do one thing versus USC, but another thing versus Wisconsin, or is it going to kind of like everybody's going to see everything? Uh, uh, there's going to be things we hang our hat on, and I think you have to have that. I think you have to have a staple. I think you have to have a base defense. And if you can't stop an offense in base defense, right, then then all of a sudden really you're, you're really just guessing. You're guessing. And so we have to be able to hang our hat on some type of base defense. But I think when you look to each team and you look to game plan, you say, hey, where are there one deficiencies? Right. Where can we attack? But two, what do they do really, really well? And how can we stop that? You want to make a team be left handed. Right. And, and we use that term just to make them do things that they don't love to do. And, and that's when I go back to the mindset of we want to be able to dictate to the offense and not be dictated from the offense. And so I think we look at each week, hey, what are the deficiencies? What do they do really, really well? How can we attack the deficiencies? And how can we try to stop the things they do really well? And then try to see how that fits within our scheme, right? Hey, this week it might look like 3 3 five. Mm-hmm. Okay, it might look like four two five. What do we need to do to make sure we're stopping the things they do well and attacking what they don't? One of the advantages to playing in a conference is, is a lot of times you see the same teams over and over again. And in, in some instances, it's it's not completely true, but you know, you're going to see certain, certain big picture philosophies over and over again when you play in a conference. At Notre Dame, however, you're going to play an AAC one week, a Big Ten the next week, a Pac-12 the next, Navy the next, you know. How important is it? How even is it even more important to have that multiplicity to where if look, if we need to be three down one week to thrive, we can be that. And if the next week we need to be four down more, we can thrive because of the just the vast difference in, in sort of philosophies and schemes you're going to see week to week as opposed to maybe. And again, it's not teams you're seeing every year, right? Like if you're in the AAC, yeah, you play different offenses every week, but it's, you know, a lot of the same teams year after year. We have a book on them. How how important is that when you when you play this kind of cross-country schedule and then the unique schedules every year at Notre Dame? I think the, the really one of the more important things we have to do is start preparing when we have more time, right? And so in the summer, being able to kind of go through your schedule and look and see, hey, where are the, the uniquely – different offenses at and who are you playing that you know this offense is going to be unique in terms of what they're going to do and how do we within our scheme within our package you know find a defense that fits us well to take away what they're going to do and, and obviously you know you have the navies the triple option defense is going to be completely different than anything else you've done okay but then you have the rpos the the air raid type ucfs i mean the uses and the uh north carolinas and and even you know then you got your 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 traditional you can have a quarterback that can run versus a quarterback can throw i mean cincinnati obviously has a dual threat guy um you know and then toledo's a, a 11 12 you know one of the top offenses in the mac and i'm just talking the list goes on and on then you play wisconsin you're gonna get 12 11 13 right. shift motion and it's like Man, you have to have plans. So what I like to do is in the summer kind of sit down with the staff and we'll game plan a little bit, take really good notes and be able, once we get to that week and say, hey, when we looked at this in the summer, here's the kind of thoughts we had going into this game. Now, where are we at? 
right? We could play, be a completely different defense, okay, by the time we play some of these teams. But I think what it does is helps give you ideas for what you think would be uh, it would be in your benefit, obviously, as you go into that game. You talked about UNC and North or USC and UNC back to back. You have them in back to back games. Some of they're both air raid teams, but this is what makes I think defensive coaching challenging. Is there's the air raid version that USC runs where they were under 100 yards rushing a game last year, and then there's the air raid version that North Carolina did, who had 2,000 yard running backs. So it's not like you can say, okay, back to back air raids game plan here will be the one we use next week, and that's what I think, especially for defensive coordinators, that can make it very challenging because you can't just say West Coast. Because, you know, Mike Shanahan's West Coast is going to look a lot different than John Gruden's West Coast. You can't just say air raid because, you know, Mike Leach's air raid is going to look a lot different than Phil Longo's air raid. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And it's still that I think, Brian, it still comes down to, to personnel. You know what I mean? And you say all those things. And I think about I wonder why Phil Longo ran for so many yards last year. It's called Javante Williams. And exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. You know, and, and that's why I think what intelligent coaches do is they put their best players in positions to be successful, right? And they do things. If you got a really good player, you know what? Utilize them because no scheme for account for somebody going to put their hands on somebody, throwing them to the ground, getting off a block and making a tackle. Well, the scheme looked good. It wasn't a scheme. That is, that ain't anything I call it. It's my guy whooping your guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's why, Akin recruiting so important. That's why developing that guy is so important. That's why having the best players on the field are so important. When you're a first year coordinator, how challenging it can it be to sort of put your your package together as you're still learning your personnel? Or is this one of those years you have to rely even more on Mike Mickens and more on Mike Elson and Chris O'Leary, guys who've been in the system, maybe know these players? Or do you feel like you can study film and and then you have spring ball that you can have an you can go into fall camp feeling like you have a pretty good idea of, of who you are. Yeah, it's funny you said first year corner. I thought back to 2017. Okay, in 2017, um, and this is going to answer the question you just had. But 2017, you know, you're hired as the defense coordinator of Cincinnati, and you think you have all the answers. You're 30 years old, and we have all these different coverages. And I'm in front of the room, and I'm telling everybody, this is what we're doing. The D-line linebackers, the safeties, the corners, everybody, this is what we're doing. I'm the coordinator. And you finish 96 in the country defense, right? And so you have to figure out some things that are going to help you um, have more success. You're going to be fired. And so one of the things we, we changed was what we call unit strength here is that, hey, man, the D-line coach, the head coach, D-line, linebacker coach, head coach, linebackers, corner safeties is the same thing. And so that is something that I feel is important for our success in the way I live in that, hey, Elston, I'm going to lean on Elston really, really hard to make sure that I know what's going to be best for the D-line and their personnel, what they do well. Same thing with Mike Mickens at corner. Same thing with Chris O'Leary at safety, okay, in that, man – I have to depend on my staff. I have to depend on these guys I work with. They're professionals at what they do, okay? And I trust them, and and they're really good at what they do, or they wouldn't be coaches at Notre Dame, okay? And and so I really depend on these guys. I utilize them, um, and and this is a group, a group thing. We're, we're doing this thing together. This is not Marcus Freeman's deep. This is this is us together. Um, putting our heads together and figuring out what's going to help our rooms and our defense have success. Obviously, you're just not the D coordinator. I mean, you don't just get a roam practice all day, you know, with the bird's eye view. You also have to work with the linebackers. Yeah. 
you know, sort of, when you look at a sort of big picture, what role do linebackers have in this defense? You know, because we, we we talk a lot about you know the defensive line driven, and then there's the you know the the aggressive coverage schemes, and then there's this group in the middle. You know that that you know when I studied you guys last year, you know Sanders got a lot of attention, Ahmad Gardner got a lot of attention, but I'm watching your linebackers. I'm saying these guys are a pretty important part to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. How, what's the role of the linebackers in this defense, or in, in how you utilize them? Um, you know what role they have what, what what's their emphasis have to be when you're talking about when this defense is really clicking this is what the linebackers are being asked to do and what they're doing well you know I think a unique thing about our defense is obviously the the coordinator is the linebackers coach and sometimes I try to coach them from a coordinator's point of view I want them to know what I'm thinking why I'm thinking it, what I'm calling, why I'm calling it. Because now what the linebackers can do is try to do little things that help other positions, right? Hey, you know the safety has this guy, man, but we want to make sure we give him some help. So you should be standing here. This is why I'm calling. Hey, this this pressure, the D lineman's doing this. So if you show right here, the D lineman can get free and you can come off behind him. And different. I'm just trying to give you different examples, but – what I hope they can do is be an extension of me, right? Their number one job is to be a great linebacker, okay? If they hear it over and over and over from a coordinator's point of view, which is a lot of times the way I coach and I teach and I watch film, I think what they can do is be a a extension of me, but help every position have success, right? Do little things that, you know, are gonna help each position be able to accomplish their job. Coach, and when you when you look at your linebackers, sort of, what's your impression of where things stand with that group heading into fall camp? You know, I mean, you you've got you've got a lot of guys that have played, maybe not a ton of guys that have started for a long period of time, but you have a lot of guys that can play. What's your impression about where things stand? Um, what are the things you feel this unit is going to do well, and what are some of the things that you're going to have to spend the next twenty five or whatever practices, you know, getting that getting that group better at as you get ready for uh, for Florida State. Yeah, I think it's a deep position. I think it's a, a position where you got a lot of guys in that room that can play, that have played some ball. Um, obviously, Drew White started the most games, but you got a lot of guys that have played some ball for Notre Dame. And the unique challenge for me is going to be able to, how do I get these guys on the field? Because we have more than just three guys or two guys that, that can just play, right? And so how do we get these guys on the field? How do we make sure that we're playing at a high level no matter who's on the field right it's that 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 natural instinct that natural selfishness that can creep into you right and that's that's a huge challenge of mine it's going to be a huge challenge of many coaches on our defense is that hey how do we continue to get the what's best for me out of me and and keep this room okay doing for what's best for the room and and that's that's one of my huge challenges because we have a, a lot of talent and we have a lot of guys that can play and a lot of guys that want play. But at the same time, we have to make sure, man, that we we, we can only play three linebackers at once. We might have six, seven guys that can play. You only play three. OK, and so that's my biggest challenge is I'm extremely satisfied with the talent we have. It's being able to get them on the field and when they're not on the field, make sure that, hey, there's nothing more important than the production and the success of this defense i have a a bit of a follow-up on that coach obviously the preference for any coach is you want all your guys to be able to do everything well (laughs) right but that's not always the reality is it possible because it sounds great sitting in a podcast on a tuesday afternoon just talking about it you know uh 
well, you can, this guy does this well, this guy does this well. So you can just kind of put them in there and do those kind of things. At the same time, if you do that too much, teams will know, okay, that guy only does this well. But is it, is it possible for you to take, you know, whether it be a veteran or a younger guy that says, hey, maybe he's not a great all-around player, but he does this one or two things really well. Can you fit that into your scheme or does, does it limit you? I mean, how, how, do you, how can you kind of look at those different strengths of players and say, hey, we can use that on a Saturday? Yeah, you got to find, you know, I think one thing I take pride in is finding what these guys, figuring out what these guys do well, right? I think it's easy to look at a kid and if he's not the All-American or he's not um, the no-brainer starter and say, ah, he's not good enough. We missed, right? There's a reason why these kids are at Notre Dame. They all have talent. They all were really successful in high school. And it's our job to make sure that we figure out what that kid can do well and put him in a position to do it well. Now, you're not going to hurt your defense. The kid only blitzes well. Well, okay, then blitz him, but also make sure that you're moving him to different places and making sure that, hey, they don't know what he's doing or exactly where he's going every time he's in the game. But I think that's a challenge of ours, and that's something I'm really hard on is just to make sure, hey, find out what he does well. Let's figure it out. Let's figure out what these kids do well and put them in a position to have success instead of saying he's not good enough. Okay, and that's that's a huge challenge of us coaches is to make sure we really dive in deep to these kids and figure out, hey, what are the things that that they do really well? I had a, a another a final linebacker question for you, coach. Is you look at the rover depth chart, you obviously got Jack Kaiser and Paul Mawal, Isaiah Pryor. Um, I'm not sure if Prince Collie's going to be there or not. I'm, I'm not quite sure where he's going to start out at, but. Is it easier for them to kind of step into the, the quote unquote Jeremiah Wusu Kormoa's shoes because it's not the same defense or it's a different coordinator? Or does that pressure remain the same no matter no matter what? Because you know they're not being technically asked to run the same thing because it's a different coordinator and a different defense. But does that pressure still remain the same, or does it kind of take a little bit of that burden off knowing that you know this is a this is a kind of a fresh start kind of thing? Yeah, I've told the the Rovers this from the beginning is that there's only one Jeremiah Wusu. And you're not going to replace Jeremiah Wusu with one guy. Right? He's a unique talent. Um, and he's an exceptional football player. And what we have to do is replace his production. That could be with two guys. That could be with three guys. That could be with one guy. I don't know. You know what I mean, this is going to be how you continue to develop these guys. But I, I hope they all have that competitive nature where they put the pressure on themselves. Like, I want to be Jeremiah Wilson, I want to be the guy that's on the field that everybody fears. I want to be the guy that never comes off the field because that's, to me, the competitiveness that, that drives us all to be great. And and that's what I challenge these guys to understand. Hey, we can't be selfish, but we can be greedy. Okay, We can, we can want the most. We can want um, all the success. We can want to never come off the field. But the minute it turns to greed and I mean, the minute it turns into selfishness instead of being greedy, Okay, that's when all of a sudden you put your own success ahead of the unit or set of the team. And we can't do that. So it is a challenge to them. I think they all personally challenge themselves. Um, it's a challenge for me to make sure we replace the production of Jeremiah Wusu with the guys we have because he was a huge part of his defense last year. But you know what I mean? At the same time, we got to make sure that the expectations don't change no matter who's on the field. You talked, we, we kind of started this thing early on talking about defensive line driven and being able to make individual plays and, and win. Obviously, we've seen a lot of Kurt Heinish over the years at Notre Dame. We've seen a lot of Myron Tungvaloa most, even though he's going to look a little different, be playing in a little different position this year. Two guys I wanted to ask you about that, that one is Jason Adamiola. 
obviously a guy that's been sort of a rotation player. As you look for, you know, guys that can win those one-on-one matchups, you know, what's your message to him been as far as what kind of uh, player he can be in that kind of role and what kind of expectations there are for him uh, in that position also to, to say, look, because this is what I've always felt. Like, the, the, the guys that are closest to the quarterback – are the dudes in the middle, right? And with the modern, the, you know, the advent of quick game and things like that, if you can get pressure right up the middle, you know, it's going to be disruptive against the run in the pass. He's a guy that can kind of be that. What's the, what's your thoughts? On, that's my impression. What is your thoughts on him? What is your expectation of him? And kind of what's your message been to him as he steps into a, a more prominent role this year or is pushing to step into a more prominent role, I should say. Yeah, Jason had an unbelievable spring. And um, I didn't know much about him. I mean, again, you watch a little bit of film. You watch last year's film, and you know he sticks out. I mean, he's a guy that was productive when he was on the field, and he's a guy that plays at a high level. And the most impressive thing I I loved about Jason from the 15 practice spring is the effort that he practices with. And there's no wonder you see some of those plays in the game where he's chasing the guy from Florida State down and does a helicopter. Like, well, he does that in practice. And so – Again, he's going to have a prominent role on this defense, and he's going to be a huge reason why we have success. And I don't know how many plays he's going to play. I don't care if it's 30, 40, whatever, whatever we, you know, we need. But we just want to make sure those plays that he's in the game, that he's playing at a high level, and that comes from preparing at a high level. I think, I think a guy on the defensive line that, that is a bit of an enigma at this point in time Maybe that might not be the right word, but that's Isaiah Foskey. You know, because if you're talking about, okay, I'm going to draw up a, a, a lineman in a lab. He's going to be about 6'5", <laughs> 250, really long arms and really athletic. Oh, that kind of fits Isaiah Foskey. But he's also a guy that really until Notre Dame convinced him to play D-line was a guy that was people thought was going to be a tight end. So he's still an evolving guy. What kind, Have you seen any growth from him from kind of day one to now? And what are the areas that he needs to continue to grow to – turn that potential into production. Yeah. Foskey's probably one of maybe two players that had the biggest growth from the start of spring practice to the end of spring practice. And it's, again, he's a guy with super high expectations. And probably one of the big reasons is because the way he looks, I mean, he looks like a Greek guy. I mean, it's unbelievable. You you sculptured an actual perfect defensive end for what we're asking him to do. And so... Um, he's continuing to, he's, he's been here for a couple years, but he hasn't had many, many, a whole bunch of game reps. I don't consider him a veteran. And so, um, I know Elston's been working extremely hard with him on the technique aspect of playing defensive line. Um, he's still relatively new, as you said, to the position and still learning, but all the tools are there. And now it's our jobs continue to continue to develop him, right? You it's, if you don't have the tools, well, it's hard to develop. You know, what I mean, he has the tools that are being developed and he's done tremendous uh, in 15 practices. And I expect a lot of uh, production, a lot of great things out of him coming this season. Now, we've all seen Myron Tungvaloa as a three technique. We know what he can do. He's been playing since his freshman year back in 2017. Uh, how, how What was the adjustment like for him? Uh, moving from three technique, obviously his, his body looks different now, right? So you're able to kind of maybe take off some pounds that he had a hard time keeping on anyway. But he's going to look a little physically a little different. But how was the transition for him playing further away from the ball, playing on the edge, those kind of things from him this spring? And, and what role do you see him playing for your defense this year? Yeah, I don't have a whole bunch to compare him off of, right? I don't – again, I wasn't here last year in those years that he played D-tackle. I've watched film. Um, but 
there's only so much value you put in the film versus what you see live. And what I've seen live is a dominant defensive end. In 15 practice, has been dominant, has been disruptive, and has done an unbelievable job. And and that's my expectation for a guy that's a returning starter. And so um, I think he's going to have a great year. The transition's been really good. He looks good. He's been playing fast. He's been working his tail off. Um, and it's exciting to see what he's going to do at this new position. But again, only the the only judgments I get to make is from the 15 practices I've seen him live, and and that's what I know him as. I know him as a deep end, and I know him as a guy that you can move to tackle, you can move him inside, outside, do some different things. Um, so teams don't always know where he's going to be, but he's been disruptive and, and dominant. We'll wrap up here, Coach. With uh, we we've talked a lot about the defensive line, linebackers. We've we've in our shows in the past, we've talked a lot about the corners. Kyle Hamilton certainly gets a lot of attention. All American safety, tremendous talent. I know you haven't coached him yet, so we won't we won't necessarily get to that yet. But there's a player I did want to ask you about, and one of the the first marks that you made when you got to Notre Dame was your first recruiting win as a player you can talk about, and that's mm-hmm. Houston Griffith. <laughs> so, uh, what what have you seen? Obviously, you know you're involved in getting him because you build up the depth chart and all that. But but what have you seen from Houston since you actually started working with him from a football standpoint and what kind of role, what kind of expectations do you have for him uh, in this defense this season? Yeah, I mean, Houston's a guy that, that you respect because the the minute he made the decision to come back, he's been 100 miles an hour, right? He's been 100 miles an hour finding ways to improve. He always wants to watch film. He always wants to meet with Coach O'Leary. He always wants to say, Coach, tell me how I get better. And that's, to me, what you want, right? You want guys that seek feedback they seek improvement and that's what i've seen out of houston and, and if you continue to have that mentality you're only going to continue to improve he had a great spring right i think you, you see him in positions that that he can accomplish what he's being asked to do and so um i expect him to be a huge part of our success that we have on defense he's going to play a tremendous amount and um it's going to be really exciting as we go into fall camp. Now you have Kyle back, you have Houston and DJ and KJ and Litchfield. You got all these guys that, hey, now we get to, to continue to see more depth, but also you got a little bit of that competition where you're going to see who rises when the competitiveness comes out. Speaking of that position, and this is more big picture, not specifically Houston or anybody else, because as you said, there's going to be a competition, but I would imagine most offensive coordinators are going to say, hey, that number 14 kid's pretty good. We may not want to throw at him 20 times a game, so let's take our chance to the other guys. What I mean, is that something that's expressed to them? Do they already know it? And how important is it for that second safety position to be to be effective? Because as you as you look at the different saying, well, we don't want to we don't want to throw at that guy. Well, then what's your other options to throw at that guy? I mean, so so how important is that position? And and those guys knowing, hey, look, people are going to come after you. You got to be ready. You have to execute at a high level. Yeah, that's the reality of it. You know, Kyle Hamilton has has built a reputation of a guy you probably don't want to attack too much. And so because of that, the other safety better be ready to roll. And, and, and if you're an extreme competitor, like I know these guys are, that's what you want. Like challenge me. Come on, you know, come after my side because I'm going to make you pay. And I think those guys have embraced that challenge and, and, it's in a great group. Coach O'Leary's done a great job with that room and developing the confidence, developing the depth, and obviously developing the production from spring when Kyle's not there. And so I'm excited to see what is going to happen as we go into the fall and see a new Kyle Hamilton's out there and see, hey, you got some competition for the other spot. But but there's also going to be competition to be, you know, the 1B at each position. We're, we can't play 11 guys. 
we can only play 11 guys, and that's not a philosophy of mine. We're going to try to play our 20 top 22 guys, and we have a philosophy of having one A's and one B's because of the expectations as you play at such a high level. Your, your effort is so high that you're not going to be able to play 60, 70, 80 plays. You know? And the other thing is we got some really good players. You know what, Kyle Hamilton, you got to be down this series. Take a, take a breather this series. We're going to get the next best guy in, okay, and he's going to go in there, and the expectations or the execution isn't going to lower. And so that's a way for me to get these guys to understand that there's not just 11 guys that are going to be the reason we have success on this defense. Um, it's going to be a top 22, if not 24 guys, man, that, that make sure that um, we're rolling guys. We're, we're all playing at a high level, and it's going to be a, a definitely a total unit feel. Last question about the safeties, Coach, and and you you can disagree with this, and you can t- explain to me how I'm wrong. So this is this is not uh, you have to accept my premise, okay? <laughs> so uh, I feel like the 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 advent of RPOs and spreading field teams out that we've seen, especially really come on the last three four years. I mean they they've been around for a while, but it's really become a prominent. I feel like it stresses safeties more than any other position on defense you look at at that in your position, how important is it for you that you have safeties that can play in space, can cover and can play the run and how important, like what does it do for your defense? If you have guys that can do all those things at a high level, that's, that's what you have to be able to do at the safety position. Now you, you hit the nail on the head in that corner's got to be able to cover. Yeah, you got to tackle a little bit, but you got to be able to cover. D lineman got to be able to stop the run and go after the passer. You know, that safety, and especially what we do, has to, be able to play man coverage, has to be able to play the middle of the field, has to be able to play some type of too high coverage, has to be able to fit in the box and be able to make tackles versus teams that play 11, 12 personnel, right? And so it's not easy to find that because sometimes they, they have a strength at one and all of a sudden you go ask them to play man coverage and they can't play man coverage. Okay, Then all of a sudden maybe, hey, he's a great cover guy, but does he really – you know, fit in the box and be able to trigger in close space when you need them to. And so it's really, really difficult to find a guy that's uniquely talented at all those different traits. Um, Fortunately, I think they've done a great job here in recruiting. And these guys have the ability to do those things that we're going to ask them to do. And guess what? If they can't do the things we ask them to do, well, then us as coaches have to change what we're asking them to do. And that's where we're not so bullheaded bullheaded and saying, if you can't do this, then what do we do? Well, what are you going to do? You can't just blame it on the players, right? And that you got to be able to, as a coach, be able to find a way to put these unbelievable talented individuals in a position to have success. And that's going to be our challenge. And that will continue to be our challenge. Well, that's a great way to end it coach. And I appreciate you joining the Irish breakdown podcast today. Uh, that's going to do it for our, for this interview with coach Freeman. Make sure that you check it out. Give us a like, subscribe, hit the notifi- notification bell. If you're listening via podcast, give us a five-star review. And as always, check out irishbreakdown.com. Coach Freeman, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, enjoy these last few days before uh, before things get really crazy here uh, when, when players come back and report and get ready for camp. No doubt the time's coming, man. Thanks, Brian. It was fun. Thanks, Coach. So there you go. Marcus Freeman, that was uh, that was one heck of an interview, uh, Brian. Thanks for bringing that to us. I- I'm glad that he was able to uh, take the time out and and join the Irish Breakdown podcast because there was some pretty great stuff uh, that he said there. I'm gonna I'm gonna tee it up for you first. What were some of the things that stood out to you? Well, y- you know, we kind of go into these things, Vince, and it's like a well, here's what I hope happens, right? Here's what I hope this defense is gonna look like. Here's what I hope he believes in. Here's what I hope. 
he's going to emphasize and things like that. And, and, and it's kind of like, okay, check, check, check. You know, he, he checked all those boxes and you know, the thing you guys all know, anyone that's familiar with my work at all knows that I'm very much a, yeah, it's good to be a smart coach and he is a smart coach, but you have to have a coach that understands the importance of it's a, it's about the players at the end of the day. It, it, it's about the players. And so when you, when you look at this defense and you say he understands the strengths of this team, I think he understands the limitations of this team and he understands how to build it the way that, that it needs to be built. And to me, that was a, that was a big part of it. You know, I think he, he checked a lot of the boxes, you know, we've talked about, I use the expression the, about blitzing when you want to, not because you have to, that was me bringing that up after he had kind of already talked about that, right. and the importance of that. And, you know, those are things that you all like. He and he's and he's not shy at all at saying, "Hey, here's what this defense is, is going to be like." Which means, yes, the guys that we have now, we made Taylor, but this is what we're recruiting to. And then it kind of answers some of the questions as why they're recruiting the guys that they're recruiting. You know, long, athletic guys can really run and cover. Well, that's that's what you want to be. You want to be aggressive with your coverages. And then, of course, when you you just kind of you just kind of look at it and say you try to read people, right? And sure. I don't know Marcus Freeman all that well yet, but I'm working on it. But when you, when you, when you see him and you say, okay, when he starts talking about certain guys, you, you can, you can see where he's just kind of, okay, let me give an answer where I'm being complimentary and things like that. And then you see him start kind of getting a little bit fired up about talking about Jason Adam Yola and, Myron Tungvaloa and Isaiah Foskey. And and he starts talking about how good the defensive line is and and how deep the defensive line is. And and I've, you know, I've heard some things privately from sources about his thoughts on the defensive line. And then to see him talk about it and get fired up about it, you're like, okay, yep, that adds validity to the things (laughs) that I'm hearing. Right. And, And the understanding that, look, what a defensive coordinator, and you could see him talking about it. If I have a D line that can rush the quarterback, it gives me so much freedom as a defensive coordinator to do all types of different things. And he sees that and he believes that. And, um, you know, to me, that part fired me up. But again, Vince, there's a conviction of who he wants to be. And you can see it throughout the entire interview. This is what is going to go into being a great defense. Right. And he believes it to his core. Exactly. And he's going to build it. And and there were a lot of things he talked about. You could just kind of see where he – there's a lot of faith there in the coaches around him too. Right. And right. that's important. And it's very important. And that's why I asked him the question about, you know, look, you know, you're playing a different kind of schedule than you're used to. You know, one week you're playing a Pac-12 team. The next week you're playing the Navy. Next week you're playing a Big Ten team. The next week you're playing an AAC, ACC team. You know, and, and you're still trying to learn your team. You yeah, know, exactly. <laughs> What's the role that your assistants have? And I think that's where having a guy like Mike Mickens is so important because Mike Mickens has coached these DBs for a year. Right. You know, and so there's – I mean, not only did Marcus Freeman and Mike Mickens coach together for a couple of years in Cincinnati, they played high school football together. Like, their families have known each other for, like, a couple decades, right? I mean, so right. there's a level of trust there. And, and, and from what I understand, there's been a really strong connection already from this is, you know, talking to a couple of sources. There's been a really strong connection already between him and Mike Elston. Right. 
And and you just see it, that there's some confidence there in those coaches that is then going to allow them to say, okay, I don't need to necessarily make all these decisions about every single individual player. I trust that Mike's going to get these guys ready, and when he tells me who's going to who's ready to play, I'm going to know it. Same thing with – well, I should say which Mike? Mike Mickens. And then <laughs> yeah, same right. thing with Mike Elston. And, and I think that's an important thing too because sometimes you can walk into a situation as a first-year coordinator and you have sort of inherited a staff and there's not a lot of faith there. Right. That's not the case with Marcus Freeman and the defensive staff at Notre Dame. We got a super chat before I kind of give my opinion here real quick. John Klimek says, thanks – or he goes, that's a coach. Because I like how he approaches the answers and explains why that's the answer. Of Wasn't afraid to say that he's going to give uh, Kyle Hamilton a break. The base D explanation was amazing as well. It, look, he, he there was no – there was no pulling any punches, as you said before, going into the interview. He he answered all of your questions, and I think he answered them with depth. It wasn't a bunch of coach speak. Yeah, it wasn't fluff. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's not giving away scheme. Hey, here's what we like to do on third and five. You know, right? Uh, right. Here's how we're going to defend USC. It wasn't that kind of thing, and I, I wasn't going to answer him that because I would I would never give that answer as a coach. Exactly. Absolutely. But it was still the reason I wanted to stick philosophically to this conversation, Vince, and not try to pry for more particulars this is because i wanted people to get an idea of of what makes marcus freeman tick philosophically right. that you're willing to share and he did a great and now he did a great job i'm not surprised he did a great job it's his defense but more of a um more of uh, the standpoint of he, how open he was and, right. and i thought the same thing about tommy reese i was very pleased to just see how open both of them were about explaining what they believe in and, and the ease in which they, they kind of share their core convictions, because you have to have those. Yes. Right? Yes, you need to be open-minded and willing to adjust and change, but you have to have core convictions. And we saw those from Marcus Freeman today. I mean, his core convictions are what? Aggressive, right? Players playing fast. It's about them, not me, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's, about, you know, it, it's about building around those. You know, I mean – it was the personnel. Got, yeah, it was he, the personnel he, part he, of it. It's personnel around a philosophy. Yeah, exactly. Right? There's a there's still a philosophy that he's recruiting to. Right. Right. And and that's the that's the combination of things you see. It's not just about having eleven talented players and say, okay, guys, see ball, go get ball. Right. right? You still got to put them in the right position. And how do you do that? Those are things to see. And, and I always get nervous about defensive coordinators who like this was my issue with Don Brown when he got hired at Michigan. A friend of mine said, man, they should have their name should have made a run at Don Brown. And I said, no. That works at BC, but that wouldn't work at Notre Dame. Sure. And we kind of saw that the last couple of years in Michigan. When a coach wants to do all this exotic stuff, it's about him and showing how smart he is. Whereas with Marcus Freeman, he understands, yes, I need to be smart. I need to game plan. I need to have calls. I need to get guys lined up correctly. I need to be able to do this, 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 and this, and this. But at the end of the day, it's about my guys. And if I got guys can whip your guys' butt, then I'm not, I don't need to go prove to everyone how smart I am. Right. And he, he even said that he's like, he's like, oh, what a great call. And he's like, that ain't a great call. My guy just whipped your guy's butt. You know I mean? <laughs> right. You love hearing that because he understands like, look, I, I, if I don't have to come up with these really exotic pressures and I can just say my dudes are better than your dudes, then you're going to be really good on defense. That is music to my ears. Yes. At that point in time, Vince, music to my ears. Well, and, and I love the fact that when I when I refer to the personnel part, he, he he's taking the, the, the personnel side of it. Right. And he's saying, okay, this is what this kid does well within my philosophy. So I can, you know, I can, I can use that, but then I can find another piece from another guy. It's personnel driven, but inside of his philosophy, which I mm -hmm. think is important because I think a lot of coaches, when, 
when you hear when you hear that it's all about the personnel, they completely change up their defense to you know make up for the the guys that they have running it right. And and to a degree that's smart, but then to another degree you've got to keep the same philosophy around that. And then you find the guys that you can plug in and the ways that they can plug in and that they can help. And I, and I think that that's, I think that's really, really important. I think he gets it. I think he understands it. Now, of course we all want to see it and <laughs> don't get me wrong. Um, but I just, I've heard him speak a lot now over the past couple of weeks and I am, I get more excited and I, I, I feel like, he is going to take what Notre Dame has because they have skill. They have talent at all three levels. Right. And it's going to shine through uh, under his philosophy. And that, that, I don't know. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. Well, I think the good thing is, is look, he's walking into a good situation too. And I think he understands that. And that's the thing is, you know, he's not, he's not walking into a situation where he is a first year coach replacing a guy that got fired. And you have to reinvent the wheel and fix all these things that were broken. Right. He understands. Right. Okay, this was already pretty good. Let's let's keep that rolling. And but but then also we have to also adapt to my. He can't run Clark Lee's defense. He's got to run his defense. Sure, absolutely. You know, but you're inheriting an athletic group of linebackers. You're inheriting a, a really good defensive line. You know, and and it's kind of joking that you're hearing him talk about how good the defensive line is. I'm like, yeah. If you if you were here four years ago, you wouldn't have thought that. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, you, you know probably I mean? also wouldn't have thought that you could recruit apparently a good off right. defensive line either. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that was, right. Yeah. So I mean, it was it was encouraging to see those things, Vince, and hear those things, and and just again, it's a guy that's convicted in who he is, but also a guy that understands, like you know, I, I got pretty good football players. Right. And yeah, it's um, it, it was impressive to see, but it was also. I think he's got a good grasp of who he has now, which yeah. I was afraid that you'd you'd kind of. I was afraid that you you know we might not really get a sense of that until we get into the season. Sure, you know, but you can tell he's kind of okay. This is what Mike Micken says we have. This is what Elson says we have. But this is also what I've seen. Right, and and I think those things are good. And it's and tough, uh, though, there's too. a lot of confidence, a lot of confidence in that in that group. It's tough, though, just to kind of echo what you're saying there. It's tough because you get 15 practices in the spring and, you know, there were guys that weren't available and there were this and there were that's and not every practice is full go. And, you you know, you're doing drill work. And then you've got summer where the coaches are around, but they're not really around and they're not really right. working with these guys one on one. It's tough to figure out what you have. I mean, you can see a guy who maybe jumps off the page at you in, in one practice and then another practice, he may not do that at all. You know what I mean? It, there's, you have to play the long game when you're a coach, right? That, that like as a baseball coach, I see a kid, man, he gets up for BP and he's crushing the ball and you know, he's, 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 you know, got such great footwork in the field and all this other stuff. And then I'm all excited about him. And then next practice, he looks like, you know, like a JV player. And it's like, okay, got to play the long game here. What yeah. does this kid look like over a long period of time? Marcus Freeman hasn't had that long period of time, right? Yeah. And so to to see his conviction right now on a lot of these guys is yeah. is impressive. And there's a couple guys he hasn't seen yet. He hasn't seen Kyle Hamilton yet. He hasn't Good seen point. Jacob Lacey yet. You Good know. Point. Um, so you know the coverage thing to me stood out a lot because he did not back down from wanting to have aggressive coverage. I actually anticipated him doing so. I thought he would be more like you know, well, look, that's what. We, and I tried to set him up for it in case he wanted to say it. Right. Sure. 
you know, look, was that more of what you did at Cincinnati because of who you had, or, you know, is it going to be different? He's like, no, we want to be aggressive in coverage. I mean, that's who we want to be where, right. You know, maybe they don't have the personnel to do that this year. I mean, there's still right. a lot of question marks at, at corner. There's still some question marks at the other safety position, but he was, he didn't back down. So he's yeah. not lowering the bar because of what he inherits. He's, he's saying, look, this is where we want to be. And and we've got to, we've got to do what we need to do to get there. So to me, that we, part was we, was we awesome. got another super chat, Brian. Uh, old Grim wants to know if it's Kelly's turn to be on your podcast. <laughs> that I can guarantee you is never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with that as well. <laughs> we, we, hey, we're batting a thousand right now. There's no sense in uh, swinging for the fences because, right. you know, well, I'm going to swing for out. the fences, but I'm just telling you that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's good stuff, though. That is good stuff. So, Brian, do you want to jump into our uh, our Q and A at this point, or do you uh, have a couple more points yeah, that you I, want I just, to make about? You know, I, again, I yeah. think as we wrap up the the evaluation of this interview with Coach Freeman, I think a lot of it is he can speak for himself, and yes. and that's the thing is there's there were so many good nuggets in there. I would encourage people to listen to it again, just because you know I, I tried I tried to kind of tie it all together, you know, into like one phil- philosophical conversation about who he is, but I just, I, I, I hope people got the conviction that he clearly has and yes, you know, and what he wants to do. And then also that he's going to hold that standard. I mean, th- there was an opportunity for him to kind of to him and Hall about if he didn't believe in the personnel, there was a lot of opportunities for him to get to say, Hey, look, you know, yeah, this is, we may not do this. We're not going to do that, but he didn't back down from any of that. Yeah. You can tell that, uh, um, he, he has a lot of confidence in himself, which, any good coach has to have. Mm-hmm. He also has a lot of confidence in the coaches around him, which you have to have. Even when he's talking about Chris O'Leary, I mean, you could just see that he has just how he talked about Chris O'Leary. And then you can tell there's a great confidence in what he walked, the situation he walked into from a talent yeah. standpoint. And, but also embraces the challenges of what it's like being at Notre Dame. You know, he, he, he talked about how smart the kids are and this, you know, Notre Dame kids are smart and they can do this and they can do that. But then he also talked about the uniqueness of the schedule, which I think he understands. I was, I was curious sure. to see how he was going to answer that one. Yeah. Cause that could have just been like, Hey, we're going to do what we're going to do. Well, it doesn't really work at Notre Dame you, you, <laughs> because the, the variety of the schedule that you play, he didn't do that. He, 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 you could tell he understands like, yeah, we're, we're, cause he was like, and then we play Wisconsin, you know, and it's just kind of like, he gets it right. He yeah, gets the absolutely. challenge of coaching at Notre Dame where number one, and here's, here's the, like, so in the American athletic conference where he was, not every team runs the same offense. There's a lot of similarities, but the difference is, is you're going to play at least what, what's there? Is that a 14 team league? Correct. It's a 14 team league, right? Yeah. It's a big one. So you're going to play seven teams every year, right? Every year. So even though they're different, you have the book on them, so to speak. Yeah. Whereas at Notre Dame, you're going to play two teams every year. And by having the book on them, it's, it's important to understand right. what that means. So they could they could tweak their philosophy team's from year be, to yes. year. Of course, but you know what the philosophy is. You know, you the know personnel. the personnel, and that's right. the big one. You you know the personnel. You you've seen these guys come up, you know, and become more prominent players and things like that. Like it, it, it's the same in high school when you play your conference teams. You know what you're going to get. Like there's really no surprises per se, and I, I think that that's. That's an important aspect to understand because you don't get that when you're independent, right? You're going to, who are you going to play every year? You're going to play Navy. You're going to play USC, uh, Stanford right now. Those are the three that you're going to play every year. Other than that, it's kind of a grab bag. You might have a back to back, things right. like that, but it's not always like that. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, 
like again, Notre Dame is going to play three teams every year. That's right. it. Yeah, that's it. That you can get now. There's going to be years where you play a certain team in back-to-back years, but you're not going to play anybody three, four, five years in a row, exactly. other than USC, Navy, and Stanford. And Stanford comes off the schedule in a couple of years. Right. And I would be completely upset if that was the case. No, I would. You know what I mean? But, but that is a challenge for a defense. And sure. I think more so for a defensive coordinator than an offensive coordinator. Yeah. Because offensively, you're you're dictating more than you are on defense. Right. And so, but to see him, okay, he gets that. He gets yeah. that. I mean, this yeah. again, being independent is a whole lot different than being in the league. And this is his first soiree into being independent. Sure. Yeah. So you, can, you can tell he gets it. And that was yep. an encouraging thing, too. But uh, I mean, again, just a, a really sharp, really sharp guy, which we already knew, very c- convicted in, in what he believes in, and a guy that's very confident in the people that are around him. And that, that to me, is a, a, a key ingredient to this whole thing. Is you got yeah. you got to trust the people. If you want them to trust you, you got to trust them, and you can sure. see that there's a great deal of. I mean, he 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 would bring up you know Mike Elson's doing this with Foskey. You know, I didn't ask him about it. He just brought it up, and, and so you see it with you're talking about Chris O'Leary. He starts bringing up you know Chris O'Leary and Houston Griffith. Starts bringing up Mike Mickens, right. even though I mean even in times when I didn't ask him about it, mm-hmm. that was encur- that was very encouraging to see. So we, again, we want to thank Coach Freeman for taking the time to uh, join us on the Irish Breakdown podcast. We also want to thank Katie Lonergan, mm-hmm. uh, sports information over at Notre Dame, for setting up that interview. She's awesome. She's been great with everything we've asked. You know, so I, far. I feel bad for Katie because, like, she walked into this job and she was in like a month <laughs> into this job. I was like, okay, oh, COVID. Yeah, <laughs> you know I, mean? I know, she's, right? She she's had a she's had a tough job, but she does it very well and. Yes, and uh, and I'm not just saying that because she she hooked us up with these two interviews. No, either. it's, it's true though. Job. Yeah, she yeah, we, we quick responses, all of that stuff. So it's, and she's a dog person too, you know. So I mean, well, you, you can't go wrong there. There you go. So, so again, that that was uh, our Marcus Freeman interview. So make sure you check that out again. Uh, we'll have that. We'll have this obviously this podcast up, but then we'll also have the shortened version, which is just the interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, without our analysis so make sure you check that out as well uh, if you're watching this on youtube make sure you share with your friends make sure you subscribe you hit the like button hit that notification bell uh we, we and, love and if you having have, you if you're there. new to the channel we also did last week in a one-on-one with tommy reese the offensive coordinator right. Notre Dame. so if you if you didn't see that go back and find yeah, that, check too. that it's out easy too. To find. yep and if you're listening on a podcast make sure you subscribe and uh, and share with your friends and family so that's going to do it for this edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you stay tuned because we'll be right back with questions and answers.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.